A few years ago, I was blessed enough to be able to partake in a symposium out in Hawaii, and I gave the, uh, a symposium on St. Damien of Molokai and St. Mary Ann Cope, who worked and cared for lepers out in Molokai in Hawaii. It was in a life-changing experience for me. And this is a common thing we see in the Bible, this leprosy. Brother Ben just read in the first reading about the leprosy where the leper is to yell unclean, unclean, to basically uh, announce that he is coming so people could keep him away. It's called Hansen's disease, and it was thought to be very contagious. Uh, we know that that's not so much the case. We understand it better now. So what's going on now in the Gospels? There comes this leper, and Jesus says, <clears throat> and he says to Jesus, actually, you can make me clean. And it says, moved with pity. Now, if you read other translations of the Bible, it actually says moved with mercy right? He stretched out his hand and touched him and says, I will it be made clean. Now, this is very interesting because leprosy was considered a picture of sin and its effects. Now, what I'm about to lay out, I think, is absolutely fascinating because it, 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 it shows the power of the sacraments, and what makes us different as Catholics than anybody else. So I, I think it's very, very interesting. Now, leprosy was a debilitating disease, all right, that corrupts and makes one dead, but yet still alive. And this is interesting because even rabbis despised the people, um, the, lep the lepers, and thought that they were judged according to God, that they deserved no mercy. As Brother Ben read in the first reading, it almost seems like there was no mercy. But Jesus is now, it says, specifically moved with mercy. So it's showing that there is mercy. Now, the rabbis even thought there was no mercy. But anyway, the disfigurement of leprosy became a symbol of a sinner's soul in need of redemption. In one sense, we are all lepers. If you want to look at it that way, we are all lepers. The most terrible thing, however, <clears throat> and I learned this from the people on Molokai, we actually flew in on these little tiny prop planes and, and the lady who was running it, she was a nun. And gosh, I pray for them right now. I, uh, they, you know, they were struggling on small donations of people who would visit there. And now with all the travel, it's, it's almost ironic that she said the worst part of leprosy was the isolation. She said, bar none. It, it, the, the lepers all said that, that when they would come to the island, that being isolated from society. How interesting that this is what is happening to us today. And so basically... This isolation was the worst part. Now, the leper, as Brother Ben read, had to scream unclean, unclean, wherever he went. Why? To keep social distancing so that people would stay away from him, not to catch it. Now, the leper was banished basically from society. He was basically exiled, living really in quarantine. 
So I think we have a lot to learn here. Now, the psychological consequences then of leprosy were as serious or more serious than the physical, as I mentioned, because the isolation began to get to people. Now, the leper was so hated and isolated that he began to hate himself. And it caused a lot of psychological distress. And I think we're seeing that with coronavirus. I'm getting reports that suicide calls to the suicide hotlines are up 600%. I'm ministering <clears throat> to several people over the phone that are dealing with deep depression, anxiety caused by this. Now, what's happening is the mental health issues are increasing, but sadly what's happening is these people are going to the mental health clinics seeking treatment, but they're tur being turned away out of fear of coronavirus. So we're just in a real tough situation here. And so they go to get the mental health service and they're being told, sorry, that's not a priority right now because the physical risk of the coronavirus, we have to tell you to go back home. And this is really causing calls to the suicide hotlines up. And we don't have the official numbers on actual suicides yet, but I, I'm sure it is up. So this is the kind of situation that we're in now that's almost a complete flashback to the time of Christ and lepers. Now, this kind of man, this leper, is who came to Jesus. The man who was unclean. Now, <clears throat> he was called that way. And so I'm sure if you've been in quarantine, you feel like when you come out of your room or people see you, what do you feel like? You almost feel like, oh my gosh, um, I'm going to make them nervous. I know I did when I came back from coronavirus, I would come out of my office. I was told by the doctor I was fine and I was way past any contagion, but people still looked at me as unclean. And so this is what's going on. So he comes to Jesus and Jesus touched him and makes him clean. Now, not only physically, though, spiritually. And I think this is our message here. Now, first, when we, as we said, leprosy became so bad that the leper began to despise himself. And we are seeing now more than ever, I think, people self-loathing, um, down on themselves, uh, losing jobs, I have no purpose, um, I can't function in society. I'm sitting and stuck in my house. This, God bless you. We are going through the cross. We are in a way experiencing Christ's um, suffering. And in a way like the leper. We are like this leper. But yet what happens? Christ heals him. So let's look at this. So when we despise ourselves, Christ's hand is still stretched out to us. All right, this is important. And secondly, it's the very essence of Christianity to reach out and touch those. Now, I'm not saying now take off your masks and go touch somebody with coronavirus physically, but we reach out to touch the untouchable, even if it's spiritual. Father Seraphim always taught me that def his definition of mercy was loving the unlovable, forgiving the unforgivable, and touching the untouchable. This is what we have in the gospel passage. I'm going to talk a little bit more about Father Seraphim in a minute. But this is what Jesus did. And so must we. 
have mercy. And it says Jesus was moved with pity. And again, the other translations in the Bible say moved with mercy. And so this is what mercy is, according to Father Seraphim. Now, we didn't, Jesus didn't have to touch the man. And I think this is fascinating. But he did. Why? In order to show that he is not subject to the law. Jesus is showing I'm above the law. But what did Jesus say to the man? Did he say, now you can be above the law too? No. Jesus said to this man, go and obey the law. And what was the law? To go to the priest who would declare him clean. I think you can see where I'm going with this. So Jesus says, I'm above the sacrament. I'm above the law, but you aren't. Go to the priest. People are always like, Father, where's confession in the Bible? Here it is. So Jesus says, go to the priest who will declare your disease gone. You will be declared clean. And so just like today, Jesus isn't bound by the sacraments, but he makes us bound by them. Now, Father, I can't get to the sacraments. Closed churches, we'll mention that one last time at the end. But go to the priest in confession, and he will declare you clean or not. How do we know this? Because Jesus says in the Bible, the priests were given the authority. Yesterday, I did a talk on confession. You can find it on our YouTube channel, Divine Mercy. Um, but in it, I go through this. In, in uh, Matthew 16, 19, Matthew 18, 18, John 20, 23, what does Jesus say? Whose sins you forgive, talking to the priests, are forgiven in heaven. Whose sins you retain, meaning don't forgive, are not forgiven in heaven. In other words, heaven has to follow the priest. So if the priest declares you clean, heaven has to declare you clean. And we're talking spiritually here. Physically is another thing. That's, that's a whole different thing. But spiritually right now, you are made clean. How do we know this? Because Jesus gave the authority to the priest. Jesus had ultimate authority on earth to forgive sin. But when you have ultimate authority to forgive sin, you have the power to delegate it. And I talked about this yesterday. So when the priest raises his right hand and says, God, the father of mercies through the death and resurrection of his son has reconciled the world to himself and sent the Holy Spirit among us for the forgiveness of sins through the ministry of the church. May God give you pardon and peace and I absolve you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. What's happening? The priest is declaring you clean. This is what Jesus told the sick man to do. Go to the priest to be declared clean. Jesus didn't say you're clean automatically, even though he did make him clean. That's why Jesus makes us clean in the confessional, but it is the priest who declares you such. Jesus said to do this. This is confession in the Bible. This is amazing. And so what we have is Jesus confirming the need for the priest. This is powerful. And he still does it now. The priest had to examine the person, the leper, to see that he was clean. And then he could reinstate him back into the covenant life of the Jews. The man was basically out. This is what happens with us. When we commit mortal sin, we are moving ourselves out of the covenant 
So if we're in the state of mortal sin, we have moved ourselves out just like the leper. But then the priest examines the leper and says, you're clean and you can come back into the covenant life of the church. Now, when you go to confession and the priest says, I absolve you, you are declared clean and you come back into the covenant of the church, Christ's church. This is amazing. And so what's going on is the cleansing of the leper, as I said, signifies confession. The leprosy being mortal sin. That's what's going on here. And so mortal sin is a disease that removes grace and impedes us from participation in the church. There's only one way to clean it in the confession. Just like Jesus said, the only way to clean is go to the priest. And so after confession, sanctifying grace is restored into the soul and the person can now participate. This is incredible. And what does Jesus do? I also talked last uh, yesterday and a week before that about the sacraments being form and matter. Every one of the sacraments, Brother Alex is with us in the back. We went to Dominican house. We were always taught about the form and matter of sacraments. Now, what is the form and matter of the Eucharist? The, the matter is the material, it's bread and wine. That is what is used to become the body and blood of Christ. What's the form? The form is the words the priest uses in institution. This is my body, this is my blood. Do this in memory of me. So it's form and matter, words and material. What are the form and matter of confession? Now, Jesus does them here. Basically, Jesus uses words, I will it be clean, and he does the matter. He touches the man. In other places, he uses spittle. And so he heals him from sin. This is like the sacraments, not just physically healed, but he's healed in the spirit. And sacraments are what make us different from all other religions. Remember the sacraments, they give us divine life. They're not symbols, they're actual grace. They do something. And so this is powerful. Now he touches the leper and he is immune to the disease. Jesus is not able, will not, and cannot catch the disease. It's the same way when you receive the Eucharist. You cannot catch coronavirus from the Eucharist or the precious blood. The blessed sacrament or the precious blood, you can't. Jesus can't coexist with a virus. So do you know that the Eucharist is that is living Christ. You know that. So don't fear. Do not fear the sacraments, but come to them. Yes, we know, Father, the churches are closed. So make an act of contrition, just telling God that you're sorry for your sins. We're going to lead you in an act of spiritual communion, saying, please lead me into the, receive the grace, Lord Jesus, as if, if I did receive you in holy communion. And, and this is so powerful. I want to finish with one little interesting thing. Yesterday, we also talked about Father Seraphim, and I tell you, I just, I can't get over this, the connection here. And I wanna say one last thing here today about Father Seraphim, you know, I said a minute ago that his definition of mercy was, unloving, was loving the unlovable and forgiving the unforgivable. And Father Seraphim used to say over and over, people ask me, how do I obtain God's mercy? And Father Seraphim always said confession and communion, or in our case now, an act of contrition and a spiritual communion. But he said, that's the way that you receive it. Now, Seraphim, as I did on my talk yesterday, again, you could see the more detail, but he is a reason, not the reason, a reason that we have the image of divine mercy, 
<clears throat> the diary of St. Faustina and a canonized saint in Faustina. And this is amazing. He came, um, Father Kaz mentioned this the other day on Friday, but I, I think it's worth reiterating. He came from a parish in, um, in uh, Adams, Massachusetts, north of here. And it's called St. Stanislaus, which actually is his real first name. Seraphim is a religious name. His real name was Stanley, Stanislaus. Now, he came from the same parish as our very first director of the Association of Marian Helpers, Father Walter Pelczynski, who met Father Joseph Jarzembowski, the Marian priest, who brought divine mercy to the United States from St. Faustina herself, her confessor, Blessed Michael Sapochko. Now, here's what's fascinating. The two Marian pillars, actually three, the three biggest Marian pillars, besides our founder and our renovator, Stanis, um, Stanislaus Papchinski and Blessed George, besides them, we've had three giant pillars in this Marian community, many behind the scenes, but those three especially. Father Joseph Yarzhambowski, who brought divine mercy to the United States. Father Pelchinski, who basically started what you guys are, our Marian Helpers, the Association of Marian Helpers, to join in this mission. And Father Seraphim, who brought us the diary, the image, and a canonized Faustina. He was her vice postulator. He was the one that witnessed the miracles that got her canonized, and he documented it. He's the one. Now, Take a look at this. Father Pelchinski died in 2000 on December the 8th, the Feast of the Immaculate Conception. Now, the only other day on the church calendar that celebrates Mary's Immaculate Conception was February the 11th, the Feast of Our Lady of Lords, where Mary said, I am the Immaculate Conception. That's when Father Seraphim passed into heaven. So you think these two giant Marians... We are the Marians of the Immaculate Conception. And Father Pell dies on December the 8th, the Feast of the Immaculate Conception. Father Seraphim dies on February the 11th, the feast where Mary announced that she was the Immaculate Conception. Amazing. So this is absolutely incredible. Now, the Immaculate Conception only being celebrated on those two feasts directly makes it absolutely critical that we see this connection. And we Marians are the first community ever to bear the title, the Immaculate Conception. And so without stain, without stain, that's what it means. So we are also the first men's community to come from Poland. And Jesus said in the diary that a spark will come from Poland to prepare the end, his final coming. Well, we know that spark is Faustina, Divine Mercy, uh, John Paul II, but I believe it's also the Marian fathers and the Marian helpers, you guys. So this is why God is using us and the Marian helpers. This is amazing. And so I wanted to finish with something here because in addition to Michael Sapochko, Faustina's confessor, John Paul II, Father Seraphim stands as a central figure who helped make divine mercy possible as the greatest grassroots movement in the history of the church. And I had Mark put up a slide, and I want to ask you to listen to this passage from the diary, and I'm going to finish with this. It's absolutely amazing. In paragraph 1689, now mind you, this is the end of St. Faustina's life. Today, I saw two enormous pillars 
implanted in the ground. I, and these are the words of St. Faustina, I had implanted one of them in a certain person, S.M., the other. Now, somebody said, well, Father, Seraphim Menkelenko, Seraphim's not his real name. His real name is Stanley. S.M. There is nobody else that has had any involvement with these initials. Father Seraphim would always deflect this. Now, that slide says, we had done we had done so with unheard of effort. That's Father Seraphim. Much fatigue and difficulty. And when I implanted the pillar, I myself wondered where such extraordinary strength had come from. Last slide. And I recognized that I had not done this on my own strength, but with the power which came from above, these two pillars were close to each other, Nobody could get closer to St. Faustina than Seraphim. And in the area of the image, which Seraphim helped bring us to restoring it. And I saw the image raised up very high and hanging from these two pillars. Wow. All right. Is this Father Seraphim? We don't know. But is it a powerful concept? Absolutely. And this is so incredible that I've been talking to Father Kaz. Now, Father Kaz is, you know, cautioning me to be careful. I'm not declaring that this is Father Seraphim, but I think it's incredible to think about, uh, seeing that his real name was Stanislaus or Stanley Mekolenko, that that SM is her, uh, him. And I want to show you one thing that I received in um, a text that was from Mark Mallett, who's a good Catholic, and he has a blog, and this is very short. He said, I had the pleasure of speaking alongside Father Seraphim Menkelenko in California at a few churches eight years ago. During our time in the car, Father Seraphim confided to me that there was a time when the diary of St. Faustina was in danger of being totally suppressed due to a bad translation. He stepped in however, and fixed the translation, which paved the way for her writings to be disseminated. He eventually became the vice postulator for her canonization. Now, here's the last sentence that is so incredible. A few years ago, someone recounted to me an announcement that was made at a gathering that Father Seraphim was present, okay, that certain passage that uh, St. Faustina's diary referred to her canonization and the initials SM to mean Father Seraphim Makolenko. Now, this is amazing because the Holy See, now they've never made an official declaration about this, but this is very, very powerful. And though the Vatican maybe never declared this, somebody is pointing the connection, and I think this connection is powerful. So God bless all of you, and God bless our beloved Father Seraphim, because Father Seraphim has done so much to bring this message of divine mercy to the world. And so we have to understand how incredibly powerful this message is, and our beloved Father Seraphim was part of that. And how did he say the man who brought this devotion of divine mercy worldwide in the grassroots movement, how did he say we receive God's mercy? Confession and communion. We have it all 
in our Catholic faith. This is why I'm Catholic. This is why you're Catholic. And God bless all our Marian helpers for you guys are helping us to do just what Father Seraphim did to get this to the world. Every time you forward these messages, these homilies, the writings of Faustina, um, our clips of uh, divine mercy, uh, sections from the diary, you're spreading divine mercy. God bless you. And thank you for being part of our Marian family. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you and God bless you. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Are you enjoying this podcast? I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit divinemercyplus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's divinemercyplus.org. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you.